I really trained in community development and uh, the Ottawa Charter. So, you know, health education, health promotion, helping people, giving them the skills that they need to make the best choices for themselves. Hello, world. Welcome to the Vaping Unplugged podcast. Everything you need to know about vaping and tobacco harm reduction. Hello and welcome to Vaping Unplugged, the World Vapors Alliance podcast where we talk vaping, harm reduction and science and of course the politics behind it. I'm Michael and I'm very happy to welcome a special guest today. Today we are joined by Mariba Glover and she is director of the Independent Center of Research Excellence based in Auckland, New Zealand. So this already gives us the, the direction of the, of the discussion, I think. Welcome, Mariba, and thank you for joining us. Maybe let's start with um, you personally and your background and what your work is about and what you do um, day to day. Ah, oh, okay. Well, I uh, started in um, trying to reduce smoking. Oh, 23 years ago, I was working as a policy analyst for government and for the Public Health Commission, and smoking was the biggest killer. So I have dedicated my career to that and been working on reducing smoking in New Zealand, especially among our Indigenous people, uh, Māori, because I am Māori, and Māori women had really the highest smoking rates in the country and highest, uh, you know, rates of lung cancer, etc. So I've uh, worked as a policy analyst. I've worked at a national health promotion level. Uh, I have, I went back and did my PhD on smoking cessation. So first person in the country to do PhD on that topic. I've trained many people in how to provide smoking cessation support, uh, the quit line and doctors and nurses throughout the country. Um, then I, after my PhD was finished, I did a postdoc and I've just continued in academia doing research right up until about six years ago when I formed my Center of Research Excellence, Indigenous Sovereignty and Smoking. So focusing on all Indigenous people's uh, smoking prevalence in the world. And I was I put in for a grant uh, and was lucky to get one from the Foundation for a Smoke-Free World. And and how did you how did you get into this, or where did, where does this the, does this passion for the topic come from? Was there a special trigger, or or was it always of interest of you why people smoke and how to help them to quit? No, it wasn't. I think really. Uh, I mean, I am an ex-smoker. I started smoking at 13, experimenting full-time from 16. But I got chronic bronchitis quite early uh, in my early 20s. And after several goes, you know how it goes, I was able to stop. I then you know, really became one of those worst uh, ex-smokers. I hated it. And uh, it wasn't until I was working for the Public Health Commission and I I said, well, what's the biggest killer? What's the, where can I, you know, contribute the most and to bring about better health for Māori and all New Zealanders? And that's when I was told, well, smoking is it. So 
it just went from there. I think because, you know, you can hate something so much that that forms enough passion to get involved. Um, I've learned a lot over the last 23 years and uh, I've moved away from being the, one of those, you know, ex-smokers that just hates it and doesn't like anybody who smokes and doesn't appreciate you know, I mean, I don't appreciate smoke, of course, but um, I really trained in community development and uh, the Ottawa Charter. So, you know, health education, health promotion, helping people, giving them the skills that they need to make the best choices for themselves. Uh, I had seen how slow the reduction in smoking was occurring just with nicotine replacement products and the medications that came along and behavioral support. We really needed to find something faster and harm reduced products such as SNUS, vaping and our oral nicotine products, all of these heated tobacco products, that's it. And this is really rapidly reducing smoking rates. And and were you were you on board with those safer alternatives right away, or or did it need some convincing and some research for you personally? Because it, there is sometimes the tendency of especially people who hate smoking that they equate all nicotine products and treat it the same and think it is the same. Was that the case for you as well, or did you right away see the potential? For, for those products? Well, because uh, the Public Health Commission was, the focus was on reducing disease and death. And as a policy analyst, that was my job. How can we reduce disease and death? And that has remained my focus. Uh, and if that's your focus, then you look for the fastest way to do that. There's many ways, of course, you know, you can do prevention there's prevention, you can also do treatment, you know. So with all of the literature, reading all of that as an analyst and identifying what will get us there the fastest, well, then back then, SNUS, the evidence was strong there for SNUS to do that. So, yeah, I was certainly, you know, working with Murray Logerson, who was the grandfather of tobacco control in New Zealand and my mentor, uh, and he was for it. but we were told it was illegal in New Zealand. Um, so that only left us with nicotine replacement products, the cessation medications when they came along and behavioral support. Yeah, it's very interesting. That's that's what, what we always hope for, how public health should work, that it's people looking at the evidence and then make evidence-based decisions actually. Um, and I think you played a role to make um, New Zealand one of the best, practice examples around the world when it comes to at least vaping, but harm reduction in general, I think. Um, and we have seen now a couple of um, policy announcements after the new elections. Maybe you can give listeners a quick update, what's happening and what change will we see? And if, if you think it's the right direction, the wrong direction, what, what you would do or how would you see that? Yeah, I don't think that New Zealand was the best example. Obviously, Sweden was right out there as, a, you know, they have, there's all the evidence there showing their lower disease and uh, death rates because they had SNUS. And then with the introduction of 
uh, vaping, heated tobacco products, and oral nicotine products. You, if, really, it's um, Icelanders good to look at because they allowed people who smoke access to all of those products. And so their uh, reduction in smoking was very rapid. The You see, if you look at New Zealand, New Zealand only allowed vaping and they tried to also ban the heated tobacco products, but it went to court and the case was thrown out. And that was a crucial uh, step because the judge said, well, according to your Smoke-Free Environments Act, um, you you know you want to help people quit and reduce harm. Well, this product does that. So you're going against your own Smoke-Free Environments Act. So what happened was that the government changed the act and they took that wording out and they made it about the elimination of all tobacco use of combustible tobacco products and also when the vaping regulation came through that is written in there as well that you know we do not want to normalize vaping and we eventually want everybody to stop that as well so i don't know that new zealand is in terms of harm reduction the best harm reduction approach would be to allow all adult people who smoke access to the range of risk-reduced products because not everything, not one product is going to work for everybody. We've also seen, oh, you know, what is it now? 20 years vaping has been around since it launched and there has been a, it's highly contested, there's this huge, very, very public debate with health authorities on both sides. Some are saying this is risk reduced and others are saying nicotine causes cancer. Um, you know, these products are dangerous. You know, nobody should use them. So you have a zero tolerance of any tobacco or any nicotine product use. Uh, and then you have a harm reduction approach where let's get people onto a non-combustible and we will cut the incidence of disease and death. Uh, and that's what I was always focused on. So New Zealand, up until this latest government, was going down the route of zero tolerance, complete elimination of all use of combustible products, get rid of tobacco products altogether. And then they were going to uh, get rid of vaping as well. And they already have had started to, uh, what did they say, start to, um, you know, stamp out vaping. Of course, we had a lot of young people uh, get interested in it. Uh, and there was the same fad approach where there's this new technology, everybody's arguing about it, talking about it. The health authorities were putting out a lot of information targeted at children. And so they really built up a lot of curiosity in it. And then you had a lot of panic around it. So there's there's definitely been a lot of that driving the uptake among minors. So in New Zealand, we have R18 for the purchase of tobacco products. and But the Ash Year 10 survey has just been released. And 
daily smoking among 14 to 15 year olds is, all, is down to 1.2%. So they're already smoke free if you look at New Zealand's definition of 5% smoking or below. So the next generation are already there and uh, vaping is coming down. <clears throat> so we had that last uh, set of statistics and again this year. So the regulation we have in place now and New Zealand was late to put regulation. It took a long time for us to get regulation of vaping, uh, but that's working and the restrictions on sale to under 18s is starting to work uh, and you know we're on track. However, the new government came in and I think oh, I was surprised, uh, I think everybody was surprised that they repealed, they're going to repeal the most recent smoke-free law change. Now that law change introduced the end game policies that, that I'd been talking about where they wanted to get rid of all use of combustible smoking uh, and the, the getting rid of vaping would have come through the Vaping Regulation Act. It was already written in there how they could do that. So that recent change introduced the uh, what everyone's referring to as the generation ban, where no one um, who's currently age 14 would ever be able to buy cigarettes. Uh, likely it would have said all vaping products. Um, so it would have gone R18, R19, R20, one year, go up one year every year. From 2027, that was going to start happening. The second aspect of it was to introduce a tobacco retailer licensing system and reduce the number of retailers from the current 6,000 across the country. And I wish people would look up how big New Zealand is and uh, you know, nearly the size of Japan with five, just over 5 million people, mainly in cities, but spread out across that area from 6,000 stores down to 599, they've just announced 599 stores that would be able to sell cigarettes, tobacco cigarettes. The third aspect of the law change was to reduce the nicotine in tobacco cigarettes down to what is almost a trace level. So I think it's 0.8 milligrams per gram. This is below what a lot of the research has looked at. It is known to be sub-addictive, so you won't get any hit. In other words, basically a trace level. That was due to come in 1 April next, next year, uh, or was it 2025, sorry. Um, the, the reduction in shops was coming in next year, 1 April 2025, you would not be able to buy tobacco, combustible tobacco with any nicotine. So, I mean, I've done uh, decades of research with people who smoke, uh, people with mental health conditions have higher smoking prevalence, higher consumption, harder time quitting, uh, smoking is overrepresented among the lower socioeconomic uh, the black market in New Zealand is sort of rip-roaring. Uh, we've had robberies of, of retail stores. Uh, 
when the new government was campaigning, one of the things that the New Zealand population wanted was do something about the crime and do something about many, many things. So when they said they were repealing the law, it was a real surprise. A lot of people are very, very surprised. But as a scientist, I knew that there was not the evidence, having been a policy analyst, the evidence was not there to support such a radical change. The negative consequences have not been looked at in a real world setting anywhere in the world. New Zealand, and I think that the proponents of it have been quite open about the fact that they wanted to trial this, they needed to trial it in a real world setting. And so New Zealand is to be the petri dish for the world. That's kind of um, not okay. We have other laws around protecting people from being experimented on. But um, one of the issues that many countries will find when you get to such a low smoking prevalence rate, we're now down to 8% uh, smoking across the population and largely that's come down more rapidly because of the vaping um, being taken up. So, you know, 8% smoke, you've got 92% who don't. Many ex-smokers, we know what they're like sometimes. And, you know, your majority are going to hate smoking and absolutely support um, anything to get rid of it. So it's very easy to go out, do a survey and say, oh, the whole population supports this. Uh, but I've done some research on this and people didn't really know what they were agreeing to. And the surveys were not, you know, you need a certain kind of consultation process when you introduce a new strategy that's never been tried in the world. It's like asking people, well, do you think you would like to live on Mars? I mean, you know, well, how would anybody know anywhere in the world? How does anybody know what would happen if you suddenly ban, you know, cigarettes that have nicotine in it? How many people are going to go be thrown into cold turkey? What's going to happen? Uh, or we know what's going to happen if you cut the retail access because that already had kind of happened because of the price going, our taxes just enormous. It costs in New Zealand 38 plus dollars, New Zealand dollars for a pack of 20 cigarettes. This is beyond the pockets and the budget of the, you know, the lower economic, socioeconomic groups. Um, we have loose tobacco as well, but we have minimum pack size of 30 grams and that would cost you $75. So they can't even afford to buy that anymore. They buy a pack of 20, scrape together $40 and buy a pack of 20. So we, we market. yeah, yeah. So we, this is why there's a huge demand for black market tobacco. Um, and that would have just increased. The, there's a lot of risks with a black market, obviously. They're cheaper. They don't care who they sell to. They'll sell to kids. Uh, there's no, no control uh, around the product, the price and who can have access to it. So it's a complex issue and the research had not been done. It was more that we had a, a government that had a majority and they could 
pass anything they liked, and so they did. The incoming government, very interesting, because it's the first time we've had a coalition government of three parties. So we have a national government, and they tend to be um, centre-right. And then we had two other minor parties, both very, very strong on uh, supporting you know, the market and, and people's choice. And uh, they did have it in their, on their website of what they wanted, but one of the parties, nobody even thought they would get in. So it's, it, it was a real surprise. And mm. those two minor parties pushed for this. They, they were like, no, we're repealing that. They've pushed for a lot of other things that are, you know, that uh, about half of the population that supported the previous government are just reeling. They are, you know, they're doing protests. They're just, um, the, all of the social change that they wanted is is going to be repealed, not just the Smoke Free Environments Act. But but on the act, the 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 repeal of the act, do you think that that itself is a positive? And if so, do they need to come in, come up with um, additional measures to to increase the or to, to improve the harm reduction environment in New Zealand? Well, that's the good thing. So they. They are going to also amend the vaping regulation. Uh, their previous government banned oral nicotine pouches. So they were for sale here and they banned them. And that that also was around that uh, there was a that court case that happened and it became clear in the judge's decision that SNUS was actually never illegal. We were told it was illegal, but if it had been tested in court, it was not illegal. So the last previous government that brought in that smoke-free um, in-game policy and vaping regulation, they absolutely outright banned oral nicotine products. So this new government are going to amend that and we will be allowed to have uh, oral nicotine products and smokeless products, which means it sounds like it will be okay for SNUS to be imported and sold as well. And the heated tobacco products, which because of the court case um, came under tobacco products, so the previous government was not able to ban the heated tobacco products. However, the tax on tobacco products was applied to those basically pricing them you know beyond people's pockets because you you know they're they're more expensive the entry price to heated tobacco products so not very many people know about those so when this all happens people adults who smoke adults over the age of 18 will have access to potentially snus oral nicotine products vaping products and heated tobacco products they're going to remove they've said the tax on tobacco will only apply to combustible products. So the heated tobacco product will not have that tax on top of it. So this will be like Iceland, you know, uh, and other countries, the US even, which even though they're not a member of the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control, uh, they have experienced a rapid reduction in smoking prevalence as well because adults 
in many places, states in the US, have access to the full range of harm, reduce, harm reduced products. So that's going to help more people, given there's more opportunities, more products to try to help them stop smoking, that will keep that reduction in smoking prevalence going down. And there, what else are they, they said they were doing? They're going to increase support. Um, they're looking at a licensing system for the vape retailer shops. And they're looking at uh, potentially what the UK has done, where you have the swap to stop. So they even are considering that kind of a scheme to help people. Wow, that <clears throat> that all sounds sounds very positive. Um, let's see if they if they will be able to implement all of these measures. Um, but I, I think if they would do that or could do that, maybe New Zealand will challenge um, Sweden in the reduction of of smoking rates in the future. Unfortunately, we are already five minutes um, over time. But thank you so much. That was a fantastic insight, I think, for everyone and. Um, what we as World Vapors Alliance will do is definitely share the, the New Zealand story um, and, and, and the, the positive outlook of, of the announcements because it's very rare for us, unfortunately, to, to have good news in this field and not fighting bad regulation, but finally have a country um, moving in the other direction, which is very nice. And it was also very nice of you to take some time, even though we have some some time difference, um, but we managed it. And thank you so much for it. And thank you for, for all your great insights.